0: Welcome to the Just Right Show, where you'll explore the world of the written word, from books to blogs, sales copy to screenplays, emails to essays, and everything in between. You'll discover the tips, tricks, and tactics the most successful writers in the world use every day. And now, here's your host, Travis Cody.
1: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Just Right Show. This is Travis Cody, and with me today is Kim Minch. She's a Jai Institute for Parenting certified parent coach who specializes in working with moms and their adolescents, kids between 10 to 25. She's passionate about educating, supporting, and encouraging parents to raise their kids with intention and guidance rather than fear and control. Kim empowers parents with compassion and without judgment through their one-on-one coaching, small group sessions, and local community workshops on topics such as values and boundaries, open communication, and self-care in parenting. In addition, Kim facilitates a worldwide support community through Zoom for moms of teens and young adults called Moms Empowering Moms Supportive Community, and that's organized through Meetup. So, Kim, thank you so much for being with us today.
0: Thank you for the opportunity to uh, talk to you today, Travis.
1: So your first book was a memoir entitled My Mother's Footprints, a story of faith, calm, courage, patience, and grace. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about that because the story behind how that came about is is, is it's fascinating, and I know it's also you know it's, it's a, it was a tough journey for you, and uh, I think that's where some of the best best stories come from.
0: Right. So the book, um, My Mother's Footprints: A Story of Faith, Calm, Courage, Patience, and Grace. Uh, the title of that came actually from a tattoo that I have on my left hip with those same five words. I have five kids. And when I went to get the tattoo, which I very intentionally put on my left hip, because that's where I carried my children when they were babies, before they walked, um, I, I wanted a word for what each child had taught me about life. And so thus, my mother's footprints, there are footprints between each Word of uh, in the tattoo. So, bottom line, the 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 tattoo and the title of the book are, you know, very. um, There's a reason for that, and the book itself was really a reflection for me to look back on my parenting journey, which began at the age of 18. I had a very um, upper middle class upbringing in uh, outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I ended up. pregnant at the age of 18 as a freshman in college and having my son was quite the obviously emotional growing up journey very quickly. Um, my father was not happy that I was pregnant. And so I lost my family home and had to figure out and navigate wow. the wel- welfare system. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty deep. It's pretty, um, you know, looking back on it, obviously a very quickly maturing experience. So the beginning part of that book talks about my feelings related to going through that, then I kind of transition. I, I married um, my now husband. We've been married 28 years and have four kids together. but previous to that, my son, my oldest was born and it was an abusive relationship that I got myself out of. However, we had to co-parent the rest of my son's life. So from the age of three until he was 18, you know we co-parented. And that obviously had some storyline to it. Um, But the second half of the book is really learning that my son had an addiction to alcohol, very, very deep, heavy addiction at the age of 20. And so the second part of the book is kind of the raw walk that I took from learning that and and getting out of denial as a parent about the situation Mm. and walking him, the end of that book in particular, lands us in my dropping him off at inpatient treatment in um, South Texas. So clearly a ton has happened since that time. And thus I'm, I'm working on another book um, at the moment, but that, that first book was really a very cathartic way for me because when you're in the middle of addiction with your child or with anyone it's just like what's the next step what's the next step do I need to take what do I call the insurance company find out you know he's had another he needs to go to detox you know there was no time for me as a mom to process it it was just keep going what's you know try and save the kid from himself because at the time many you know he most definitely could have gone a different direction and, and hurt himself or others in the process of what he was going through. Um, I am blessed to say that part of this new book is also that uh, my son Nick is 10 years sober in May of this year. He celebrated 10 years of sobriety. So
1: wow.
0: it really is. It
1: sounds like a good time for a sequel.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the 10 years is, you know, is a major accomplishment. And in part, I believe that was because of the parenting that I did and learned about since that time and really immersed myself in. And then also, obviously, even more than that, his everyday choices and desire to stay sober.
1: Mm. So obviously, that's a pretty crazy. I mean, the story itself is crazy, but but I I think any parent dealing with a a child who has addictions has got to be one of the most just toughest things you can deal with as a parent. So obviously you successfully were able to do that. But at, at what point after the, after this experience you went through that, did you realize that that needed to be a book?
0: I think, you know, just, I, well, actually, oddly enough, like Stars aligned. I I mentioned that I was 18 and and had got pregnant as a freshman in college. Well, I went back to school several times on and off and just would take classes here and there, but clearly I'm married and have four other kids, so I'm not I'm not fully committed to it. When Nick went into rehab. Um, I really was recommitted to getting a degree as a licensed chemical dependency counselor. So that Mm. meant finishing my psychology degree, passing the state bar in Texas or the state exam in Texas in 4,000 hours. So I was in the process of getting that degree online and one of my classes dropped. And so I had a couple of weeks of a little bit of open time. And I decided, I don't know, I just, I felt like I emotionally needed to release the, everything that had gone on over the years. Um, and, and so I just began hand, handwriting in a notebook, like all of the things, all of the, Every step and every emotion that I took during that, and it's interesting because even though I know that Nick is ten years sober now, and, and so much has happened since the book, I can go to certain pages of that book and read, and I will immediately start to cry and take myself, you know, right back into that emotion. Wow. And I, I felt like I felt like honestly, I don't know if I felt like when I wrote it. I don't know who's going to read this. Like I, I, the intention was to write the book. And get some copies of it, but I didn't, you know, like I didn't necessarily have a full picture idea of how it was going to look. But since then, I've had many people read it and have just really appreciated, maybe from a parent's perspective who have had a child go through addiction, um, not feeling alone and feeling hopeful. I think that was two of the main points of my book was that I wanted people to know that they're not alone even if you feel super alone in a situation and also that there is hope there's always hope even in the darkest darkest of moments
1: Hmm. so I love how you're like I'm just gonna I've got two weeks break I'm gonna sit down and write a book (laughs) (laughs) most people are like all right I've got about three years cleared off on my schedule here so I'm gonna get started now um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for my first book, uh, my, my listeners are probably sick of me telling this story, but I, I thought about my first book for almost 10 years before I started writing it. And then it ended up taking me about two years. Now, granted, you know, I was working full time, more than full time at the time. So it was, it was something I was doing in the side, but still, you know, it was a long journey for me. So I always love it when someone, this is m- sort of my rallying cry today is that writing a book doesn't have to take a long time. Right. And Especially I think the reason it does prepared. is because we over, we overthink it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would hate to tell you, like I told you, I'm in the process of the second book and life and busyness and 2020 stuff and whatever has, it's it's not going to get done. And I'm telling you it's taken longer than yeah, two weeks this of course. time, but it's also more deeply. I mean, I was writing about events. I was writing it like I was getting it out of my body where I think that this book now has taken me longer, not only because of time and schedule, but also because I feel like this is a, this is bigger than just my story. This is me touching in particular women and their parenting journey and how our children can be our greatest teachers. So it's a much bigger message than, than just this sharing of the story.
1: So what was the process for that first book? Did you just sort of sit down and You had the two weeks and you're like, you just spent a few hours every day kind of typing it out. Did you talk it out and transcribe it and edit it? No, sat
0: down, wrote it in a notebook, longhand, Um, any spare moment I got. Obviously, I had kids, you know, four kids in various ages. Um, So, but I was able to, I was just very like driven. I felt like driven. And it's interesting because as we're talking today, I've felt sort of writer's block with the second book, but now I'm like really like I've been getting up at early, like six in the morning and writing for an hour and a half before starting my day and going to work and whatever else, because I'm just it's coming to me now. Mm -hmm. So I think I think going I think when it hits you to go with it and then to give yourself some grace if you're having some time where it's like, it's not there, you know, the more we beat ourselves up about, Oh my gosh, it's not coming. It's not coming. I don't know where this is going. This is complete rubbish. I need to start, throw it away and start over. It's those, if we just, you know, take a breath and realize things are born when they need to be born. It comes easier.
1: Yeah. You can have a due date, but ultimately the due date is all up to the universe.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes.
1: So what so how has the experience been for you writing the second book versus the first book so it sounds like the second book was a bit more intentional and a bit more like you very much have a message now that you want to share whereas it's felt like the first one was more of a let me let me just tell my story because I think it's useful
0: okay well here's here it goes so i hired a book coach earlier this year to write a business book, a book that was going to be about sharing my experience with parents, Mm. coaching them, talking about the problems of um, parenting teenagers now and how I coach parents through this process. And it was all about the process. And it was a business book. And for several months, uh, my book coach gave me a beautiful table of contents that I was, all I needed to do was to write to the contents. And I started out really Good because I love the title of my book. And as I've gone along this time, so I hope it's okay that I share some real challenges because I'm about to. Okay. Wait, you mean authors
1: and writing books have challenges? (laughs) This happens? Yeah. You're the first person I've had on my show that's ever dealt with this. Sure.
0: I'm sure. Um, Yeah, where that first one was so easy, like giving birth to your first child for some reason. You know, the second one. So I had this great table of contents and she and I would meet and I'm like, you know, I'm just struggling with this. It's not feeling, you know, like I'm just regurgitating some of my coaching situations. And, you know, she said, but you're writing a business book. You're writing to tell people about how to, how to coach or, you know, how the process of parent coaching works. So you need to give examples. This is what you need to be doing. So actually she and I just met about a week ago and I was like, I'm still not feeling this, but I've looked back at my first book And people told me how much they, the people, the people who've read it have said, you know, I want to know what happens after this. Like, I want to know the Mm. you know, the next part of it. So I said, I know you warned me in the beginning. This is, this is the book coach I'm talking to. I know you warned me that, you know, that was a book that could come later, Kim. If you want to write that sequel, that can come later. You're here to write a business book. And so let's get it done. And then if you want to jump into that. And so I i just told her i said you know i feel really really called to write this book with that particular title we initially talked about that really is an extension of my first book because there has been so much growth and it's not necessarily that i feel like i have to tell everything that happened after i got my son to rehab it's more about my personal growth my my growth as a human being as a parent as a wife as a mother that I feel will really speak to women. And that's where my passion mm. lies right now. So I'm. Kind so of you're maybe, so you're, you're maybe halfway
1: through a second book and then pivoting to work on a third.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. So it <that> works.
1: <laughs> well, and there's no reason why you can't find both. You might be finding your way into, in, in, in a nice middle ground. And I think for me, like what you do with coaching to say that you're writing a, a business book. And I get, you know, that, that process, you're writing a book to possibly be a lead generator, generator to find more clients and talk about your process and build a business from the book. But that doesn't mean it kind of sounds like the process has been a little stodgy there where I'm like, I, I don't, I wouldn't consider a, a, a book that teaches parents how to have communication with their children as a as a business book, you can use it to build your business, but it feels to me like a personal right. development and a, you yes. know, a family, family book, really. Yes. Yes. And so, there, and that's great because that means you have a lot of leeway with what you can do with that. But, but what an interesting, what you've said, I think is, it, is it, it, it impacts all of us in that you have a process and you're working with a coach and there's this plan you're going to follow yet inspiration. Sometimes will have different ideas. And I think as a writer, it's really in, in, important to be able to, to be in tune with that and be able to make the pivot when you, when you said, because otherwise, it's like you said, you'll, you'll get to a point where you're almost fighting it versus letting it happen. And in your first book, you didn't fight it. You just let it happen and it came out. And so maybe what'll happen is you can put the book you're working on, on the side, and then this one will come out and then you'll go back and that that's actually Maybe you just got it backwards. Maybe that's the book that's supposed to be wait till later. But yeah, <laughs> well, that's fantastic. All right. So how does this, at, at what point along this process now, you've got your son's out, you've had this, were Were you, had you created the, the moms network and an organization, bef, the moms empowering moms before this, or was this after this experience?
0: After, I started, um, this was born of my parent coaching practice. So Moms Empowering Moms is born of a deep need I see in the women that I coach for community during the teen years, specifically. Mm. There's a real lack. Parents have a lot of camaraderie when their kids are young and they're willing to talk about, oh, my kid won't eat anything but chicken nuggets. My kid, you know. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's a biter, you know, they'll talk about those things. But when, when we, our kids get into middle school and high school and they start making some choices on their own that maybe you don't think are as healthy or there's tension in the home, parents are very isolated during the teen years. And so because of what I saw when I was coaching them, I wanted to create a community and it was in person. We've met in person before COVID And because of COVID, now we've been able to open things up and can, you know, it's on Zoom. And so women from anywhere can, can join us for this. And some months we have speakers, um, who come in and talk on different aspects of parenting or personal development. So it's basically a parenting support slash personal development for women support group. We kind of go in between those two topics. yeah. Versus
1: a, p- with a little bit of uh, trauma therapy mixed in there. So going to be like, no, i got to talk <laughs> you down. Don't kill your child. I swear.
0: She's <laughs> <laughs> 16. I can't take it. <laughs> they do grow out of it. And I think that I, 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 uh, I co-facilitate this group with Lori Beard, who we, you know, yeah, She was on the show on. a
1: few episodes ago.
0: Yeah. And she's got eight kids and I've got five and she's a grandmother on top of it. And so we have a perspective of knowing that there is other side, there's another side. And we've been through some, both of us have been through some major parenting challenges in order to see our children grow up and the kind of relationships we have with our adult children. We want to help women see that there is another side and that white knuckling it through the teen years is not necessarily the best you know, option, hmm. right?
1: Well, I think what you said earlier, it's about having... The support and, and more importantly, the communication skills. And my, my wife and I talk about this all the time. Where I shouldn't say all the time. It's a topic we've had. Where you, when you look at the world, it's like to drive a car, you've got to have a certain amount of training, and to, you know, have a job, you got to have a certain amount of training, and to, you know, if you get into firearms, you got to have a certain amount of training, and all these things you need training for. But when it comes to kids. Which which could have more impact than all of those things. No training, anyone can do that. And so she talks about like, and I, you know, when you talk to most people, at some point in their time, they're like, "Oh God, when I was a kid, my parents did this thing, and it messed me up for decades." And it's just like, (laughs) well, yeah, but because we're all, and and then you know, someone like you, you have a a child when you're 18. For me, uh, I don't have children, and but I look back at my just. My twenties, I didn't know who I was. And so the fact that you had a kid when you were going through this period of life where you were still trying to figure out who you are, I mean, that's, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. And now you have this book and you're bringing these lessons to people. And so what I'm trying to get, at, I don't have a lot. I'm talking to myself in circles here. But what I'm trying to get at <laughs> is you you've sort of created the parents training guide. So finally, parents can be like, here's the training you, you should have before you have bring a little bean into this life
0: well, for your tra- own
1: sanity and for theirs.
0: I got to say, Travis, that I don't have I don't claim I don't even like the word expert. Um, I've ha- certainly had a lot of ups and downs you know, during my parenting journey, but I really feel like our kids are here to be our greatest teachers and we need to shift the way I think their behavior um, and some of the anxiety and things that we're seeing that are like really prevalent now um, is their call to us to evolve the way that we're raising them. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel really like it's a big, it's a big calling, but um Oh, I know. I was also going to say this, like, you know, we, we have um, things like all of the social media and all the influences on our kids these days, but our greatest, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Our greatest asset is the quality of the relationship we have with them during mm. during their teen years. So it's really important that we work on ourselves so that we can have a good relationship with them.
1: Are you familiar with uh, a coach and a consultant a teacher by the name of uh, Dr. John D. Martini? Oh, okay. He's in Houston, but one of the things that he talks about is that children, he was, how does he, I'm trying, I'm, I'm going to be paraphrasing and I could be off here, but it's along the lines of those parts of ourselves that, that we don't want to, we, we trying to disown that part of ourselves where we are embarrassed by, or we don't want to acknowledge it's there. We were told somewhere along the lines that that was bad. And it's that part of ourselves we've kind of closed off in the back of our mind. He said, your children will manif- be the manifestation of that. And it's the universe's way to kind of be like, well, since you're ignoring it and not listening to me, let me give you a good dose of this so you can reconcile that in your own self so you can have greater peace. And I was like, wow, that's very fascinating.
0: Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something here, Travis, that was like, like downloaded to me a couple of years ago. It's a signature on my emails. I don't know if you saw it or not. It's kind of small and at the bottom, but it's right along that line. And that's this, our children come through us, not for us except for the lessons they reflect to us during their journey in an effort to grow us up along the way. So our mm. children come into the world and trigger us often, <laughs> but show <laughs> us, mirror to us, where, where we need to grow ourselves up. Mm. And I've certainly found that in my own experience as a parent.
1: I think one of the probably the more shocking realizations I've had in my adult life was I was, it was years ago, I was having a conversation with my, my mom and she it was dealing with my siblings and the conversation was kind of along the lines of like, well, I don't necessarily agree with uh, choices are being made, but I realize it's their life. And so I'm, I, I, I'm just going to accept the fact that it's their life and I don't have control of that. And I don't want to let that impact my, my, my happiness. And so for me, it was kind of shocking because as a little, as a kid, a little kid, your parents are these perfectly formed beings and you think they're, they're there. And so, you know, at 30, 30 years old, I'm like, wait a minute, my mother is still evolving as a human being. What is the, (laughs) what this happens? And so you're like, well, yeah, like everybody's on this journey learning together, but it it is interesting because as a child, you sort of anchor in of like, that's my safety and my, my, my life there. And then that's perfect. And then later you're like, oh, wait, no, they're just as flawed as we are. And they're still on their own paths and lessons as well. So
0: absolutely. uh, Yeah, that's,
1: (laughs) it's true. Reflecting lessons back to you. So your son goes to rehab and you go back to school to start working on your, your practice. And so is that how this all came about as you started a a coaching practice, working with other mothers, and then that's just sort of blossomed from there?
0: Yes. I mean, like I've said, like I said, I went back to college to become an LCDC and my intention was to work with teenagers. And along those 4,000 internship hours, I decided that working with teenagers was especially teenagers that didn't think they had a drug abuse problem was really not my cup of tea, but I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed working with their parents. So the first step was, um, you know, coming to the realization that I wanted to help parents, because I had been a parent who had gone through that experience with my son. Second step of that was, I don't want to help parents in crisis, I want to help parents before there's a crisis, I want Mm -hmm. to be proactive in helping parents who are just who, who want to, and, and, and it just has evolved since then. So then I got into um, the Jai Institute and did my certification to become a parent coach. And I've niched myself specifically to work with moms of teens because I think that um, moms are the emotional barometers in the family. And when mom is in alignment with herself and, and using her intuition with the children that have come into her life, um, it ripples out into her kids and into her spouse, if that is applicable. And I've certainly seen that in my own life, and and with my my five kids, and and in women who I've coached through um, the process. So.
1: so, what are your workshops then? When you're talking about values and boundaries, uh, what are some of the things you? Well, we start
0: with values because it's, it's interesting to me how people can go through. And if you say, what are your values? People are like, Mm -hmm. oh, honesty. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a pause and an active way to look at what we value because boundaries are an extension of, of our values. And if we, unless we know what our personal values are and whether or not we're living them out, because we can say we value value. Let's say we can say we value honesty, but then we take our daughter shopping at the mall and say, don't tell dad we're buying this. And you know, so we're giving a different message to our children than what we're actually trying to instill in them. So it's kind of like asking parents to really take a look at themselves. What do you value? What do you want to be instilling in your kids? Are you in alignment with what you're saying? And if not, how do we shift that? right and then also and then boundaries come as an extension of that if you don't know your values how do you because values are what dictates our our helps us dictate our our choices and our decisions in life and if you don't know what your values are how are you going to put boundaries around anything and certainly i'm i'm very much pro-choice in a lot of ways when it comes to teenagers and making giving them autonomy to make choices for themselves however There have to, we have to have also some boundaries, you know, some really important during these years, you can't just let your kid go off and do whatever they feel like. Um, So there's got to be a balance. And so getting parents to pay attention to, am I, am I walking my talk? Because my, our kids will wave the BS flag at us if we're not in their words and in their actions, they will most definitely do that.
1: Mm -hmm. So once you've established boundaries, then when you talk about open communication, what does that look like?
0: Well, it's it's actually, again, it's I, all of my work uh, tends to give less in the way of strategy. Um, I don't like the word parent coach simply because of that, because I feel like it's all strategy, but um, more in the way of, again, asking the parent to look at what they're bringing into the, the conversation with their kids. Um like what's your part in, what did you, like if you think of a time when you had an altercation with your child, realize that you, what, what happened in your life, maybe just previous to that, maybe you came home from work through a traffic jam and you're stressed and whatever, all that was brought into the conversation with your child and your child also brings in stuff their previous you know, emotions and thoughts into the conversation. So what is your responsibility as a parent to create communication that your child wants to come and talk to you? Because again, the quality of the relationship and the connection we have with our kids during their teenage years especially is really our greatest asset against things like social media and drug use and alcohol use and, and that kind of thing.
1: Hmm. So how does that apply? Because I know a lot of friends of mine that are parents, the challenges they feel like they can't communicate with their kids because they're always on their devices. Mm.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. As I mentioned, my youngest two, 15 year old girl, 17 year old son. And I would say that, and here's what, here's what I've developed just personally over the years and what I coach parents to do as well. And that is we have, um, my kids go to bed between 1030 and 11 o'clock on a school night. And one's doing hybrid and one is doing is full time from home at this point. But we meet in my daughter's bedroom before they go to bed. And she's got these little twinkle lights and it's kind of a dim room. And I have a very quiet son who doesn't necessarily share his feelings. But for some reason, just before bed and in the dim light, they're willing to share and unpack their day for me. And I think they do that. We've developed this over time, but I think they do that because they know i'm coming from a place of non-judgment of curiosity and because i deeply they they know i care about what's going on in their lives am i under some delusion that they tell me everything absolutely not but i but i it's a it's a practice that we've developed and even my older boys when they come home and like stay the night or whatever they drop what they're doing and come to the party so what i coach parents to do is find that Opening in that special time. I understand that our kids are on their electronics way more than we want them to be. Mine are too. But create that special time, whether it's taking them out to breakfast every Saturday morning, or you know whatever it is. Again, I think that that we have to we have to want to be, or we have to be the parent they want to be around. In part they're willing to share with us if we are willing to be curious and non-judgmental. And, and I know it's hard. It's really hard at times to not judge and to release the outcome. Like you were saying with your mom, you know, our kids make choices and my kids have taken paths that I never would have expected them to, but this is their life. And as they get closer to adulthood, we have to release the reins here and there to give them a chance to express who they are and to learn lessons that we may not want them to learn, but they need to experience for themselves.
1: Yeah. That's absolutely right. So tell us a little bit about your website and the work that you're doing with that.
0: Mm. Okay. So it started out, like I said, with that first book coming out, my oldest was enough tech savvy that started my first, um, i loved the idea of writing so much that that's when i continued by writing a blog after the book came out and i've had less and less time to write on the blog lately because i'm trying to concentrate on this book and coaching and other things however it is a place where i have a blog it is a place where i do a lot of interviewing like this like we're doing today so i, I have a number of interviews on that so people can see just other things that i've done and it's a plate. It's a way to obviously advertise what I do with, um, moms when I coach them to talk a little bit, to try and get to their heart in terms of, are you experiencing this? Cause this is what I do to help women. Mm. So,
1: so has the, you know, the year 2020 sort of shifted and changed directions for the, that your mom's group, because originally when I talked to Lori, she was saying very much, that it was very much a, we need to meet in person, but Now you haven't been able to, and it's going into Zoom. And are you finding the the Zoom connection to be adequate to meet the needs? And if so, does that mean that you might be able to expand the reach of what you're doing with that?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, Yes, the answer to that is we were nervous about going on Zoom, but wanted to continue to support moms. What we do in our Zoom meeting, which I think is unique and really gives, you're not just coming into a place with, well, let me back up just for a second. We start as a group, but what we have, what we used to do is um, divide up into smaller groups for the last half hour so Mm -hmm. that each mom had 10 minutes to share something that she was going through and get the feedback of a couple other women in a smaller Mm -hmm. group. So we didn't know how we could replicate that, but as we all know, Zoom is totally adaptable to that. And we figured out breakout rooms. Uh-huh. So what we do is we start as a larger group and then um, break, I, I create breakout rooms and women go into these smaller rooms and they have their discussions. And then we come back together okay. for the last few minutes. So we've been able to personalize it. We've had some people from um, California join us, Florida, Oklahoma.
1: I'd love to see
0: it get much bigger. We, we really, um, I think that it could, I think it's something that could like develop chapters or states or regions yep. of. right now. Uh, quite frankly, on meetup.com, I believe I am the only one doing something like this to support. Parents and teenagers. And I I think it's so desperately needed.
1: Well, finish up your business book so you can use it as a leverage to grow your mom's empowering moms. All right, I'll get on that, Travis. (laughs) Finish up the second book and then hurry up with the third one. Okay. (laughs) So, if someone wants to get more information about you and what you do and and possibly work with you, or if there's moms that are listening to this, they're like, man, that's exactly what I need. And they want to maybe explore joining the mom's empowering moms, how do they find you?
0: Well, they can find me and my work at reallifeparentguide.com. So that's my website, reallifeparentguide.com. And it doesn't matter if you spell it with one L or two, you're going to get there because I've bought both. And then, in terms of moms empowering moms, if they want to learn about that, that's on meetup.com. So, if you Mm -hmm. just go to meetup.com, put in moms empowering moms, it's going to take you right to the group. You're going to see our previous meetings and what their topics were. You're going to see things that are coming up. Actually, next Monday night is our next one. So, November 16th um, is uh, we always meet the third Monday of the month. And this month, we're talking about how to make the holidays meaningful. When maybe you can't get together and do the same things that you've done in the past, yeah. so Lori and I, I got to brainstorm that. <laughs> well,
1: that sounds pretty good for the people in California, since they just put a three-person moratorium on the uh, their Thanksgiving celebrations.
0: Oh, oh my gosh! Which that I'm like, know.
1: well, what happens if you're a family of six? Like, I don't understand how this works. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was a little confusing to me. Some sometimes stuff comes down where I, I don't know if they really thought this through, but uh,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I have um, when they put the gather the earlier this year where they said a gathering of no more than 10 people. I have uh, friends in Utah and that there's, they have 10, 10 children. So there's 12 in the house. So their Facebook post was like, well, we're drawing straws tonight to see which of the two kids we got (laughs) to kick, kick, kick out and move on. Kim, this has been fascinating. Um, Any final words of advice that you would love to share with a uh, mother of a teen that uh, might be useful?
0: Oh my goodness continue to educate yourself. I think that we forget when, when our kids are babies, we maybe do a good job of like learning about our new baby that's coming or our toddler or our preschooler. But I think as time goes on, we forget to continue to educate ourselves about the development of our particular child. And I think one of the most important things And there's a million books in the world written to how to parent a teenager, but find one that resonates with you and read it because we know so much more about the teen brain than when I was growing up. And it's so vital that parents Mm. understand where their kids are at.
1: That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I encourage anyone listening, check out her website, reallifeparentguide.com. Kim, thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Travis.
1: Hey, it's Travis Cody. Thanks for listening to The Just Right Show, and I want to make sure you're plugged into everything we've got going on. Go to traviscody.com forward slash show and join the email list so you can get notified when new episodes come out. Plus, you can find links to the transcripts of every episode we've done in the past. You can also grab a free copy of my best-selling books that share even more details on how you can uplevel your own writing skills. Finally, if you enjoyed the show, I'd consider it a personal favor if you'll leave me a review on iTunes
0: and Spotify. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.